Good morning. Today we will continue to see how God guides Jacob on what I call the covenant road as he come across another crossroad in his life. And hopefully as we see how God guides him, we may pick up one or two important lessons that we can apply in our lives today. Let us pray. Oh God, we ask that you will help us to be illuminated by your Spirit as we peer into your words and see how your hand of guidance is upon Jacob to cause him to return to the land of his fathers. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you and ask you to open up our hearts and our eyes to behold the truths in your word. Through Christ we pray. Amen. The two things on walking on this covenant road that becomes very clear lessons for Jacob is number one, what I call discerning doors, which is to discern God's will. And secondly, to face his fears. Let us begin. The Abrahamic covenant is unilateral, which means God and God alone holds the responsibility to act. And we see in the chapters preceding this in Genesis, the failings of the three patriarchs, including Jacob, in this chapter. And yet, God's perfect plan and purposes prevails. He is indeed sovereign. So the big idea is that for us to follow God and to do so faithfully, we need to do two things. We need to discern His guidance for us and we need to be careful when we are faced with fears, as we shall see in the case of Jacob. As an introduction, I just want to say a little bit more about discerning doors and facing fears. Now, as far as discerning doors are concerned, God often guides us using circumstances. Circumstances which we look at and we call it door. God has opened or closed some doors in our life. And do we go through or do we turn back at those doors? Now, it's not always his will for us to walk through open doors unthinkingly. Nor it is in his will always for us to turn away when such doors are closed. We need to go beyond doors open or closed. We need to discern his will beyond those doors. Secondly, facing fears. We, we all have fears, and we shall see the fears that Jacob succumbed to 
Now, trust is born out of faith. And the Bible exhorts us to act in faith, not out of fear. In Isaiah chapter 28, and I read, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. The person who trusts and who has faith in the cornerstone, Jesus himself, will not fear. So far, on this covenant road that Jacob is on, we see in chapter 28 how he leaves with God's assurances that God will be with him and that God will bring him home. Having secured Isaac's blessings by deceit, nevertheless, at Bethel, in a dream or a vision, Jacob vowed, if God would be with him, would watch over him, would provide him with food and clothes, and would see to his safe return, then the Lord will be my God. And thus, in chapters 29 and 30, we see that in this land of Padan Aram, he met and married Leah and Rachel. And in those years that he worked for Laban, his family grew. A total of 12 sons plus one daughter. His flocks, wealth, also increased because God is with him. Now God guides Jacob's return using, I would put it, different doors or circumstances. And there are three which we could pick up as we go through chapter 31 of Genesis. Firstly, God opens the door of his heart, stirring up the internal desires within him. Secondly, God closes the door through tensions and threats and the circumstances surrounding him, as we shall read. And thirdly, and more importantly, God confirms with him spiritually through his word. Now, after Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. Now, although he previously had six sons and one daughter by Leah, and two sons each from the servants of Leah and Rachel, we know that his first and only, I suppose, love is Rachel. And when Rachel gave birth to his son, God stirred his heart, opened him to the notion of returning to the land of his fathers. 
And so he told Laban, send me. He asks for release from his obligation to Laban, which he had fulfilled with the reward of getting to marry Leah and Rachel. Then in verse 1 of chapter 31, here is what is recorded for us. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all his wealth from what belonged to our father. Now, we're not told whether Jacob heard this directly from Laban's sons or through a third party, a rumor. Someone said this and he heard it. Nevertheless, this would surely cause him to worry and tension arose in his heart, which stoked his fears. He had perhaps overstayed his welcome. To him, this is like a door that's closing. As he looked back the years when he was warmly welcomed to this point of this tension with Laban's sons. The following verse Now previously Laban had admitted in chapter 31 verse 27 The Lord has blessed me because of you And Jacob said in verse 30 The little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. So this is not a question that Laban's wealth had been stolen, stripped away by Jacob, and that what his sons have said about Jacob stealing their father's wealth is not true. Now we are not told whether Laban told his sons about what he admitted to Jacob. But the bottom line is that Laban has grown richer despite what the sons had said because God is with Jacob and his blessings flow through him and affected Laban as well. Threats is another door that seems to be closing upon Jacob. Because in verse 2, Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Things have changed. So he heard what the son had said about him, and he himself now looked into his heart and realized that Laban's attitude had soured had degraded. He has indeed come to the crossroads that calls for a decision. Such is another door that is closing before him. And finally, as often as God guides us, he can and he does guide us through not only circumstances of 
closed doors or open doors. But this is not, however, the only or even the default way that God guides us. And this is very important for us to grasp as early as possible. We look into a couple of examples that uh, are recent in, in the Old Testament. How King David in 1 Samuel chapter 24 and also in 26 had two opportunities to kill King Saul and yet David stayed his hand. People can see this as a clear open door for David to get rid of King Saul, but he did not, much to his credit, because he discerned God's will. Abraham himself, when he was with Lot looking across the promised land and knowing that God has given him that promise of the land, still gave Lot first choice, first picking. Remember, when Abraham told Lot, if you go to the right, I will go to the left. And if you go to the left, and I will go to the right. Because of his faith and surety in discerning God's will, whatever that God has given to him, God will hold it for him. Abraham knew he need not clench what God has promised to him in his fist, and therefore he gave Lot that choice. So in Abraham, we see an open door, an opportunity, a circumstance for him to take advantage of, which he didn't. God changes circumstances. He does. He can. Sometimes he changes us or he causes us to change those circumstances. And I wrote in this second bullet, not a door of wood for our feet, but a door of flesh for our heart. Now allow me to explain what I'm trying to say. God guides us. There's no doubt about that. And he guides us, one of the ways is through circumstances. And I would like to depict circumstances as doors. Now, the door is not a door of wood, which if you see it open, you walk through. If you see it close, you turn around. I don't think God wants to, or is intends to guide us in this open or close robotic, automatic way. By all means, I'm not saying God does not shut the door in our faces or open a door somewhere else for us to go through. He does, but that's not the only, neither is that the default way. Going only by circumstances would actually mean excluding the need for us to discern God's will. It's as if, in my mind, we are white mice running in this maze and the scientist in his white lab coat will open this door and closing that door so that the mice are directed, mind 
seamlessly to a destination selected by that scientist. But that's not how God guides us. We are not mice. We are to have that relationship with God so that we can discern His will as much as David discerned God's will when he was given that opportunity to get rid of his enemy. So guidance cannot be purely circumstantial, but also spiritual. Finally, God spoke to him. The word of the Lord said, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So here God speaks clearly to Jacob to confirm that he is to return. I am with you and will watch over you, and wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Our brother Chong Jin expounded on this last week. And this is a reminder to Jacob that God had spoken to him back in Bethel when he had this vision or dream. And here God speaks to him again. The message is repeated. He is to return, confirmed by the word of God. The events of Genesis chapter 31, in how Jacob responded to God's confirmation to return, reflects and showed how poorly Jacob's faith really is and how poorly he fared and he allowed fear to dictate his actions rather than faith. And so in this second segment of Facing Fears, I would like to point out the various failures not only of Jacob but of his wives, in particular Rachel. And then before we end, we'll take a look at Laban and see how he fared. So coming back, God just confirmed to Jacob his promise to him that you go home, I will be with you. And yet, Jacob's faith failed to live up to this assurance, this test. And so when faith falters, fear is fueled and fraud or deceit would follow as we shall see so jacob sent word to rachel and leah to come out of the fields where his flocks were so now having been told by god to return and seeing Laban's attitude souring or change and hearing the rumor of Laban's children saying all these accusations about him. His heart was fearful 
And so he asked Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields. Now, God had just told him, I have to say this again and again. God had just told him, I will be with you. Yet, fear drove his subsequent actions. Fear of discovery fueled his need for secrecy. You know, when, when he called uh, Rachel and Leah out into the fields, in my mind, in the open field, he could look around and see nobody is nearby. And so he could talk and ask Rachel and Leah what he supposed, what he wanted to do in confidence that no one will overhear what he is saying. And what did he say? He told his wives, your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before. I've worked with all my strength and your father has cheated me. His fears at this point is that his wives would not side him or side with him. So as I read his words, it seems to me that he, he played the victim to, to earn and in the hope to gain sympathy and pity from his wives, hoping to earn their trust and their following. Now Jacob, being a devious person, as Brother Chong Jin pointed out um, last week and even our pastor two weeks ago, has this character within him. He has been brought up and he has been depending on himself, his devious ways, his play acting to get him through the many scapes that he has faced. And therefore, even after God has assured him with his word, fear got the better of him. And he met with his two wives in secret, in the open field. Let's see what happens next. Now, so, and, and yet, in, in the conversation with the wife, as was read for us by our sister Sally, he, he tells them that God is with him and would not allow Laban to harm him. He, he could tell them that. And yet, his actions is that of fear and not of confidence in God. So with all that God had told him, his faith still falters. He could not trust God to deliver him home safely. Even God who has told him clearly that God will be with him. And this showed in his subsequent actions of fleeing from Laban. His wives had fears in their hearts as well. And when Jacob had told them his plan, they said, do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. So the fear that is exhibited by Jacob, fear grows, it breeds and spreads doubts. And this is seen in the words of his wives, that they too now doubt about their inheritance 
and that would, we would end up with nothing. And it brings out the worst in people. That's what fear does. It brings out more um, distrust in people. The exact opposite of trust or hope. Then we read in these verses that Jacob then put his children and his wives on camels and he drove all his livestock ahead of him along with all his goods to go to his father Isaac in Canaan. Jacob deceived Laban by not telling him he was running away. He fled with all he had. Now my, my eldest daughter is married and I, I really hope one day that my son-in-law would not do this to me, not that he will. But can you imagine if you are Laban and your son-in-law stole away with your daughters? Yes, it's Jacob's wives, but it is Laban's daughters and he never had a chance to even kiss them or say goodbye as later on we read in the chapters. And so fear drove Jacob to this course of action. And what about Rachel? So it's interesting in, in verse 19. So when Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Wow. Rachel stole her father's household gods. Now, reasons, there, there are plenty of reasons. I'm, I'm not going to go into the reasons. Here, what I want to point out is that Rachel lacked faith and submitted to her own fears. She lacked the faith that in following Jacob that she would be safe. And because her fear, she stole her father's household goods. It, it may have to do with the inheritance. It may have to do with how Laban referred to the household's, household gods that by divination he could... Um, get some answers to what he wanted. And, and for fear of not wanting the father to find her, she, she, she stole the gods. Now anyway, seeing Jacob not trusting in his God, not calling them in secrecy, seeding doubts, Rachel followed suit. When faith fails, fear is fueled. Fraud is then the result. And we shall see further. Skipping a few verses, they ran away, Laban caught up, and this is what happened. So Laban had words to say, and he also said, you stole my, my gods. And, and Jacob, who didn't know, Rachel didn't tell Jacob. Jacob said, Go, I didn't steal anything, you are free to search. And so in the course of that search, um, we, we have this in verse 34 and 35. Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle, and she was sitting on them. And Laban was searching the tents and all that, but found nothing. Then Rachel said to her father, Her father, don't be angry. I cannot stand up. I'm having my period. <laughs> so... 
Laban did not search the saddle in which she was sitting on because she told her father, uh, I can't stand up, I'm having my period. Her father said, okay. So he, he searched elsewhere, but he could not find the household gods. So Rachel also ended up deceiving his father because of her fears. Now we take a look at Laban. Three days later, now this is written and told, told to us, three days after Jacob has put his wives his, his, on camels and drove his flock ahead and, and ran away, three days later, Laban found out and he pursued them and caught up with them in, in the hilly country of Gilead. And at that point, God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream at night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. God appeared to Laban with this warning concerning Jacob. Take heed that you do not say a word to Jacob, either good or bad. Now this is a Hebrew idiom that apparently means leave him alone. Don't, don't touch him. Leave him alone. In short, God extended his hand in protection to Jacob, knowing what was possibly in the heart and intentions of Laban as he caught up with Jacob. But God intervened to protect Jacob. Let's see how Laban reacts. He said, I have the power to harm you. And, and, and he had. Laban would, with his relatives and his servants, a big number of them, caught up with, with Jacob. He had the power to forcefully take back what he thinks is his. Right? But last night, he told, he told Jacob, last night, the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob either good or bad. Now, Laban had at this point, paradoxically, more faith in God than Jacob himself. Now look, God appeared to both Jacob and Laban in a dream. In, in Jacob's case, God assured him, return, I will be with you, I'll take care of you. And in Laban's case, God warned him, don't say anything good or bad to him or leave him alone. And we see that for Laban, he did not fear Jacob, that's obvious, but he feared God out of that dream and out of the words that God had spoken to him. He feared God, not Jacob. And this is what he said to Jacob, come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Laban, fearing God, did not act in deceit, but instead proposed a covenant. And a covenant is not an underhanded, deceitful kind of stuff, but it is an upright, open action, a declaration between two parties. 
close with a summary of what we have seen in chapter 31. To follow God faithfully, you and I, we must discern His will in the face of the circumstances that He may place before our lives. These circumstances may represent doors that are open or closed. But in coming to these doors of opportunity, if I may put it that way, we must seek His guidance on how to negotiate obediently through these open doors or to turn away from closed doors. We must deepen then our faith, our knowledge, our walk, our relationship with Him as we ourselves embark on our journey of faith on the covenant road. The Bible tells us that the road we are on is narrow and few find it. And we need to be careful that we discern God's will so that we will know that we are on the right path. Come what may, discerning God's will and not allowing us to succumb to our fears, but to act in faith, to trust God that He will protect us, that He will provide for us. So we must be careful of our fears, and fears we will have. We will always have fears. It is how we deal with those fears. And faith builds trust. And trust will help us greatly to overcome fears. Remember too that for Jacob, going home means to face Esau, who had threatened him with his life back in chapter 27. And it is because of that that Rebekah asked Jacob to leave so that she would not lose both her sons. And so, credit to Jacob. He knows that when he goes back, he will face Esau, his brother, and his life is greatly threatened. And we will see in the next chapters how he wrestled with God and how he met up with Esau and how God will continue to guide him and change him until the point when God gave him a new profile, as Pastor Shen said two weeks ago, a new name, Israel, and how he will learn to call God his own God. Now in conclusion, know that God is faithful and if we trust Him, He can keep us on the right path despite our failings. Be discerning of circumstances, seeking His will to walk by faith and not by sight. 
and do this, face and overcome our fears by trusting fully in His provision. Let us pray. Our Father, we look to you as sovereign and that you are the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord, that you can and you do extend your hand of guidance upon us. Teach us as we have looked at how you guided Jacob to return. Help us as we come across the various crossroads of our lives. May we learn to seek you, your will, your guidance. Whenever doors of opportunities open or closed for us, help us to discern your... Our Father, we thank you for these precious lessons that we can glean from the word that you have preserved for us. We pray that, Lord, we will be discerning of your will when we come across doors that are open or closed. Help us to seek out your guidance, to trust you, to the end that, Lord, we can continue walking by faith on this covenant road, a road which is narrow and few find it. We pray to Lord, you will help us to be mindful and be careful of the many fears that may encroach into our lives as we walk upon this road in obedience to you. We pray that, Lord, we may not succumb to our fears, but that, Lord, our faith in you may grow and be borne out in trust so that our actions will be one that is not out of fear, but in trust of you who would protect us and who would provide for us. To the end that, Lord, we can please you and lead a life that is worthy of your calling. Through Christ we pray. Amen. For our reflection and discussion, which you can do by yourself or with your small groups, here are three. The first one, have you ever turned away from an open door or found a way or forced a way through a closed door? In hindsight, do you think that that decision was the right one? Discuss. Secondly, when was the last time you were fearful of the circumstances facing you? Did you manage to fully trust God? Share. Discuss. Finally, what lessons have you learned in trying to follow Christ? And what help or changes are needed? in order to follow him better. Praise be to God. Amen.